0: Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com notoverthinking not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer, and you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Right, hello, and welcome back to Not Overthinking. Timur, how are you doing today? I'm
1: doing pretty well. My throat is quite sore. I've had a rough few days of hay fever. Last weekend was maybe the worst hay fever I've ever had in my life, to the point where I was thinking, man, if I knew that every day was like was gonna be like this, life would not be worth living. And I think like the only other time in in, in recent memory where I felt like, man, if every day would be like this, life would be worth living, was when I was... In fourth year of university and I had like a couple of weeks of really bad back pain and I just like couldn't do anything and I was like wow this is terrible like what is the point (laughs) you know and so uh yeah I'm sure you can tell from my voice it's a little bit hoarse so I'm getting through it oh I'm sorry to hear that sounds like your week's been pretty grim then it's been yeah it's been grim on the hay fever front
0: um how about you yeah things have been good just got back from the gym had a hench session of chest and triceps first time I've been to the gym in a very long time because normally I just do my personal trainer sessions at his home gym. Yeah. That was kind of nice. And we had the whole squad in the living room today uh, doing a ton of filming for a new YouTube channel that we are starting in the business. Oh, nice. What's that? Uh, it is a YouTube channel for the Part-Time YouTuber Academy. And so it's oh. going to be a YouTube channel focused on yeah, how to do YouTube, how to be a creator, how to grow on YouTube, all
1: that sort of stuff. So it's going to be like free content. And then hopefully yep. some people will then buy the Academy. Yeah, that's the idea. Nice. That's the idea pretty good times overall um
0: one of i feel like it's it's been a while since we talked we didn't have a podcast episode last week for various reasons um yeah we had one i feel like i think yeah i feel like in the last in the last two weeks or so um, i've now finally figured out like the org chart and the structure for the business and I, i i had this like moment of clarity i think it was last thursday um where it was as if I was blind and now I could see now oh, well. that I sort of like literally had it written on the, bo- on the whiteboard exactly what our organization looked like, um, who all the team members were in each position and crucially where the holes were, where we potentially need to hire more people. Yeah. So now we're looking to hire maybe five or six people over the next few months. And I'm learning about hiring and how to like interview people and stuff. Cause I had, I feel like I, I did a pretty, um, kind of make, make stuff up as I go along job of it to this point. Um, But I've been reading all these books about like management and and things like that now, which are are helping with that
1: process. So it's all all, very exciting. What was the insight that led to the I was blind and now I can see moment?
0: Um, So it's going to sound weird. uh, But actually, I'll I'll, I'll try and give you the context. Before when I was drawing out, you know, for for the uninitiated, an org chart is like an organizational chart where you basically draw a spider diagram with boxes. Sort of like a hierarchy tree type thing that says what all the different roles in your business are. And so normally you would have like the CEO and then underneath them, you would have like the operations department and the marketing department and the finance department and the sales team and the product department. And within operations, you might have A, B, and C. Within marketing, you might have this person, that person, that person. Within sales, you might have the prospecting sales and like the closers. And the, basically every business will have this sort of chart to figure out what its structure is. And before I was thinking, well, our our business of like YouTube content and courses and stuff, doesn't neatly fit into any of these like corporate charts that you see in these sorts of business books. Right. Because we do some free content and some paid content and some courses and we have a live course, the YouTuber Academy. And within the free content, we've got like YouTube and YouTube and three channels on YouTube and the podcast and Instagram and Twitter and all this, all this kind of stuff. And basically I was massively overcomplicating it in the past. Whereas the insight like last week was, oh my gosh, it's literally just marketing and operations that everything in our business fits into pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. And if we like ignore all of the different types of content and just treat it as content, yeah. then essentially the process for creating all of it is identical, i.e. pre-production, production, and post-production, Yeah, which is nothing like new. It's like what TV crews and film crews and people have been doing since the dawn of time. But I just never quite had that, just that those, those boxes in my mind that this, mm. this is actually what we do. And so now it's like, oh, well, you know, if we have something we need done, then it goes to our pre-production team initially, which is like research and writing, then it goes to our production team, which is basically me filming myself. And then it goes to our post-production team, which is like three three editors and animators and illustrators and potentially hiring more for that. And stuff like um, gets passed along from one team to the next. Yeah. And the director of operations kind of manages this whole flow. And that sounds really simple. And it, and it is really simple. But be, I've been sort of threshing around for the last two years, basically trying to get to that particular structure, <laughs> which is the structure that TV media movies have been using for for generations yeah. And now I'm like, oh shit, okay, sick. Now I know what the business is and where the holes are. And it felt like a real moment of clarity. I, I, it's, it's been so long since I've had one of those moments. Like I genuinely can't remember the last <laughs> time. I felt that sense of, oh my God, this is a thing. Yeah. So oh,
1: in, the, was, oh, uh, yeah. in the pre-enlightenment era, if you will, mm. what, was like, what were things like in your head? Did, was it just like everyone doing a bit of everything? Like people just didn't have clearly defined roles? Like what was the difference, you know, now that you know that this is a structure? Yeah, so in the
0: pre pre enlightenment era, before I came across um, I think like more than two years ago before I came across the concept of an organizational chart, where it was just like me and maybe one other person in the business, it was like, oh, the business is sort of split up into free content and paid content and like YouTube and Instagram and Twitter and social media and it's sort of splitting it up in my head in terms of those particular silos. Then in the pre-Enlightenment era, once I discovered what an organizational chart, it became basically that, but with people heading up different departments. So we had Gareth as our head of courses and we've got Angus as like head of the main YouTube channel and Christian as head of the second YouTube channel and like Joe who's in charge of social media and like Jakob who's in charge of Twitter and like Elizabeth who's in charge of the newsletter and these different people responsible for different like basically content types within the business. And the insight enlightenment wise was this book I was reading called Attraction, which is like, you know, standard business book, but it's very much a prescriptive way of organizing, structuring a business how to like a very prescriptive approach to running meetings, to setting goals. Uh, he calls it the entrepreneur operating system. And within that, he basically says that like every business can be boiled down to operations, marketing, and finance. And whatever your business is, it's gonna fit into those three categories. And I was like, oh, okay, come on. Like this is all just corporate BS. But then when I tried to shoehorn our business into those categories, I realized, oh my God, like this guy's totally right. Any business can fit into those categories. Uh, and it make, it made perfect sense to split things up by like, that the writer team and the editing team, rather than the team in charge of the YouTube channel, the team in charge of the podcast, the team in charge right. of Twitter, the team in charge of Instagram. Yeah, because yeah. all of the activities that the writers doing were the same. All of the editing activities is broadly the same. Yeah. And now that we have enough people in the team, where it make like you know, now that now it's easier for Gareth to say that he is one of the writers on the team, yeah. rather than oh he's kind of responsible for some of the courses and some of the YouTube content and sort of writes a bit of the Twitter stuff and sort of writes a bit of this yeah, and a yeah. bit of that. So.
1: It sounds all trivial when I say it out loud, but like it was like, shit,
0: <laughs> this is so mm. good.
1: <laughs> okay, interesting. So it sounds like you've just kind of split things up into, I don't know what it'd be called, like functional units bucket's rather fine. than, yeah. sorry?
0: Yeah, functions rather than uh, content types or yeah, yeah, yeah. functions rather than products. Yeah, exactly. Cool, nice. So what's this going to change for you guys going forwards? Um, we now have much more <laughs> organizational clarity, as they say, in terms of who is actually doing what. Cause that was a big issue where people would, I'd be, I'd be like, you know, what someone would ask me, Oh, you've got these eight people on the team. What do they actually do? And I'd be like, Oh, that's a really hard question to answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you know, these people, like for example, Angus's parents would be like, Angus, what, what do you do for the business? He'd be like, well, a bit of everything. I don't really know. I sort of work for a YouTuber, um, <laughs> that, that sort of vibe, which yeah. everyone would have said, except maybe our editors who had defined roles. And now it's like, Gareth is the writer on the team. Angus is director of operations. We're looking to hire a director of marketing. We're looking to hire a videographer. Mm. Christian is like the head of our post-production team. Like, it's much more structured in that kind of fashion. Yeah. Um, and so that's really helping in terms of like, you know, the other day, the, the other magical insight I had was that setting goals for a team is actually really useful. So in the past, it have always been very anti-goals, like, you know, who can really control a youtube subscriber account like what's the point of having that as a goal what's the point of tracking metrics but now i've come on to the point of view that i i as the leader of the business i can set what goals i want the business to achieve and crucially it's down to the team to make those goals happen and to come up with a strategy for going towards those goals and before i thought well i used to think well well if i want to hit i don't know two million on youtube by the end of the year oh that feels really hard we're going to need to do A B C D E F G. and i i, I was basically owning all of the metrics myself in my own head yeah, yeah. And therefore, time we would do something, it would be be this profound sense of like, oh, God, this is yeah, more stuff yeah, yeah. I, have, I have on my plate. Yeah. Yeah. And then one thing that a friend and mentor said to me is that do you realize that having a director of operations means you can give them the metric and the goal you want to go for mm-hmm. and then they can figure the strategy out. You don't have to do it yourself. Right. Yeah. And I was like, no, you're shitting me like <laughs> there's, there's no way. And he was like, no, genuinely try it. And so the next day I was like, all right, Angus, um, if I said to you, I want three and three point five million YouTuber subscribers by this time next year. How would you go about it? It was like, oh, that's a good question. I guess we do A B C D E F G, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I was like, oh my god, this is great. <laughs> I can I can set a direction and pick a goal, which is a somewhat arbitrary goal, but I can yeah, yeah. I can give ownership of that goal to one of the people in the team. Yeah. And then when they have the ownership of the thing, they will find a way to make it happen. And even if we don't hit the, ex- like, I actually don't care about hitting the exact number. Um, don't tell them this, but at least it moves us in a direction that makes sense. Yeah. And I've just been so surprised as to how much people like having a goal to work towards like the other day we had a call with our social media um managers who work as, as as freelancers for the business and they were saying oh it's great that we now have a goal of maybe 500k on instagram by the end of the year that means that if we want to hit that goal right now we're not going to hit it at the current growth rate therefore you know this is the growth rate we're aiming for therefore we need to do twice as many posts as we're doing and maybe try these tactics yeah and right now we're meeting once a month for a social media team but i think we should make it like once every two weeks instead so that we can just move move faster and get things done And I was hearing this thinking, oh, my God, like, (laughs) this is absolutely perfect. I didn't realize that you could do this, just set a goal for the team and they would figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah.
1: So that's been cool. Nice. Yeah, I think the the thing that I often think about goals is that like, I mean, yeah, the point is to hit the goal, but also having a goal informs what a plausible strategy would be. And so, you know, if you have a goal to get to a certain number of subscribers or something, and so far, everyone's just been operating on the assumption that, yeah, if we keep churning up, you know, two videos a week, you know, we'll do well. Then having that goal and just, you know, having a very basic model of like, you know, working backwards from that goal, you know, how many, how many videos a week do we need to put out? You might realize, oh shit, if we want to do that just by making videos, we need to do 10 videos a week, which we obviously can't do with a team of five people or something. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think a lot, a lot of people, I think goals get a lot of hate of like, oh man, there's like so much uncertainty, you know, like... You know, the uh, the higher ups just want to like set this, set this goal and like you know, there is so much is that something And yeah, that's that's all true. And you know, you can account for that uncertainty in your model, obviously. um But like, the goal also informs like what what is even a plausible strategy. Basically. Mm. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And the
0: the the other goal that I've been like very hesitant to have as a goal is a revenue target, for example and so like what this what this book traction says is you know set a 3 year picture of what you want your revenue to look like 3 years from now i'm thinking oh god like that just feels completely arbitrary number plucked out of thin air but yeah. all right you know let's let's say 3 years from now i don't know let's say we're doing 10 million dollars a year in revenue and i was like and then it's like okay how much profit do you want to be doing I'm like okay let's say 70% margins which is pretty solid you know let's say 7 million a year in profit yeah i'm like oh wow okay that means we have 3 million a year to play with in terms of hiring people and like spending on stuff. Yeah. 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 How and many right many now we're spending 3 million, like 250 yeah. K on team members. So we could literally like 12 X the size of the team <laughs> Right. <yeah. laughs> and still uh, be like, okay. So if we were to 12 X the size of the team, if we literally had unlimited resources, what could potentially we make and, uh, yeah, that, that, that mm. sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now this like ridiculous revenue goal of like 10 million feel it, it it feels like less of a black box and more like, a, oh, we actually have a path, a plausible path, yeah. a plausible strategy that we can head in that general direction. And yeah. I don't actually care about the numbers at the end of the day, but it's so nice having a direction to work in that's a little bit more ambitious than let's just continue doing what we, 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 we've been doing for two years and hope that it continues to work.
1: Yeah. Nice. I like it. Sounds like
0: happy days at, what is it? Ali Abdal Limited? I don't know what you call yourselves. That's the one. Yeah, I feel like we need a better name for the team. Uh, right now it's Ali Abdal Limited. <laughs> have you considered um temur abdallah <laughs> i have <yes>. yeah <laughs> um, i think the, the the that was our second choice <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> uh, yeah it's most people's <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah we do we do need a i feel like we do need a proper name for the team because i feel like it's there is some like there is something to the team identifying as being part of like the same team and for that to have a name other than Alibdal limited i think would be good yeah if anyone has any ideas, let us know by in the in the YouTube comments down below. Or you can call yourself the study blog squad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very oh, good. Uh, and David Dobrik reference was that? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Who yeah, by uh, the way is back. He's he started vlogging again as of like uh, last week or this week. Oh, incredible. I'll have to check out his stuff. Yeah. I, I guess I guess he's been anti cancelled. Yeah, I think he's broadly been uncancelled. Reinstated? Uncancelled. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, I feel like he did a good job of his apology
1: uh his his apology 2.0 did he i don't think that was terribly well received either oh the apology 2.0 i don't know I, I can't remember actually uh yeah
0: so they did an apology 1.0 which wasn't very well received at all and then i thought his apology 2.0 was pretty reasonable and the comments oh. seemed to be pretty reasonable but who knows
1: yeah maybe anyway do we have an actual an actual topic to talk about this week yeah there was something i wanted to talk about so last weekend i'm just uh, you know, mindful of time so I haven't got a ton of time but we might as well get started um so last weekend uh you and i went to uh bath for the weekend with my mum, and we also drove around a town called devises where we spent the first sort of three years or so two to three years of our time in the uk and uh, we spent in devises so for me that was like a bit of year three and the whole of year four and five and i think for you it was like one one year up right yeah so for me it was around around age eight to 11 ish yeah yeah something like that yeah, yeah like seven to ten ish from for me uh, and this was actually the first time we'd been back to devices since we left, since we left in like 2006 or something like that. Um, and I was thinking uh, that that's kind of weird in itself because it's not very far away. It's like I don't know, two and a half hours. Like nothing in the UK is particularly far away. And like, why didn't we think, oh, it could be interesting to go back to like, <laughs> you know, where we went to primary school um, mm. for a bit, but we, we just haven't done it. Um, and so this was actually the first time we'd been back. And I thought it might be interesting just to kind of, Reflect on that experience and on yeah, just kind of look back on what life was like as a seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old back in the day. So I mean, one of the things that you and I did on I think on, on Saturday was that we kind of drove around and visited all of our old houses for like where we used to live. So I think there were three different houses across the three years or something. Um, and it was just like I thought it was a pretty emotional experience. Like it was it was like so weird being back in those places. I think everything felt a lot smaller. I guess we we were physically smaller back then, and so everything just seems a bit bigger. Uh, but everything felt a lot smaller yeah what what, mm. what did you think of it i thought it was a
0: uh, yeah i thought it was a great experience it was it was nice revisiting those areas and seeing how they changed um i i, I particularly enjoyed our visit to the devises toys shop uh which i vividly remember from like 2003 to 2005 because that was like the big toy shop on the high street yeah where they would have like warhammer and pokemon cards and Yu Gi Oh cards and I used to be super into those like model airplanes and and, yeah. and stuff back in the day
1: yeah
0: and i always used to go into devises toys and think oh you know i really want to get this pack of Yu-Gi-Oh! cards i really want to get, get you know get this booster pack i used to look at like the warhammer and think oh my god like that's so expensive and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, my friends play warhammer oh man yeah. uh and like those model airplane sets be like oh you know if i if i get the cheapest one with my eid money that's like seven pound fifty uh, oh but that one's that, that 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 spitfire is really cool and that's like 25 pounds and maybe if i save up for another two years then i can get the spitfire yeah. like the, the, the that was the that was what was going through my mind yeah i v- vividly remember those thought processes when i was a kid yeah um and so it was nice kind of walking back walking through this toy shop where it seemed nothing had really changed except that pokemon cards and Oh cards had gotten shinier yeah, <laughs> and then we bought a pack of booster, <laughs> a booster yeah. pack, and of Yu-Gi-Oh cards just for just for the bants. Yeah, <laughs> um, just for you, you know, for for the for the symbolism of it.
1: So I so I
0: thought I thought that was cool. Um, I think I don't know. I I wasn't. I wouldn't describe it as a particularly emotional experience. I think my view of it was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's it's kind of nice to be back. It's kind of cool that this is a thing, but in the same way as it's kind of cool to like like for example for it, it would be I would just say oh it's it's kind of cool if i see a relic from world war 1 or something like that like, oh, okay yeah, yeah that's kind of cool um i think world war 1 in particular because i have some familiarity with it having done it a gcse uh history and also having listened to a long series of podcasts about it if it was world war 2 i don't know very much about world war 2 so i wouldn't have cared so much and so it was more like <laughs> the, this era of history that i am into i'm somewhat familiar with yeah. is like revisiting it and seeing how things have changed um Why did you feel it was an emotional experience? Like, what what does that word emotional mean to you? What does that mean to me? Because I feel like it's it's one of those things that you should say. uh, But I've always been a little bit like, well,
1: what does what what actually mean? I think um, what I mean by it is that it kind of threw me back into my sort of seven year old self again for the first time in ages. And yeah, I think I think like visiting those locate those sort of physical locations kind of. Look, it's almost like, you know, if you, if you hear like a song or something that used to be really popular 10 years ago and you haven't heard it in 10 years, then it kind of immediately like transports you back to that time. Mm. Or like if you smell, you know, smell this, you know, some perfume or something that you haven't smelled for a few years or whatever, um, then it kind of immediately transports Mm. you back. I think it's it's kind of like that where I felt, I felt this almost like, you know, Avatar State like connection to my past self as a seven year old in these places. Okay. Yeah. You know? I play. Um, and I think, I think, yeah, just like that, that sort of connection and see, and seeing like the, you know, kind of being in those locations, I think they obviously have a lot, like a lot of meaning because, you know, we lived there for three years and stuff. Mm. Yeah. I had a, I had a similar kind of emotional experience when visiting the Pokemon center in Tokyo in 2019, mm. where, you know, Pokemon was this sort of really symbolic thing throughout my whole life and kind of being, being in that place was just like super emotional and so I think it's kind of like that, where you you sort of feel this sort of connectivity with your past self, Well, you know something to that effect, where you can you're you're kind of back in back in your shoes from like you know 15 years ago, or whatever it might be. But so you, you didn't feel that at all. Oh yeah, yeah, I did feel that. I felt that connection to my past self
0: um, in the sense that I could I I could see myself as like a late year old, like going up and down the high street, being like, oh my god, I really want those Pokemon cards. Mm. Um, I will, I will, I wouldn't have used the word emotional to describe that, but uh, of course we, of course yeah. you wouldn't, <laughs> I'm, of course not. Like, you know, I don't, I don't
1: have feelings. You are a stoic. <laughs> um, I would describe it as a rational experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, a rationalist experience, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely had some of that, especially when visiting the old houses and being like, oh yeah, we used to play here, we used to climb that tree, that was cool. Yeah. Like that, that's where Antonio used to live, and we used to knock on his door and be like, do you want to come play Pokemon? Yeah, um, yeah, it's just kind of kind of nice. I think I sort of had similar experiences so uh, when I was in in like final final year of university so Ooh. the final year of the six year course around that time like in the final three years we don't really go back to college much. Um, I was I was at Emmanuel College which, which is one of the colleges of Cambridge there are 30 of them um, for those of you unfamiliar yeah. and you very much kind of live there twenty four seven in your first three years and then most people graduate beyond that point and that, that that's all fine and dandy. But then when you're a medical student, you then move on to the clinical years where you're not really back in the college very much. This place where you spent like 24 hours a day for three years of your life. Yeah, yeah. And so I would walk, walk across the paddock in final year uh, and often just sort of have, have that experience of like, there were like so, so many memories that I made here and it was like really nice. But I think I had that to a very like intense degree at university and not so intense a degree at, you know, the, the hometown when we were eight, for really- example. Yeah.
1: okay that's interesting
0: i wonder if we went back to Westcliff our secondary school if that if there
1: would be a similar experience because i feel, I feel like, like that was too recent like yeah. we went back to south end about a year ago to watch that um Bright and mac and mitchell comedy thing mm. and we kind of drove past all those places and stuff and it was i think it, it was kind of cool but like i feel like that was too recent
0: yeah maybe i wonder if, if it's related to like the the intensity of experience in the place and how much you associate the place with that experience though like mm. I think in school, I, I don't have a particularly like strong emotional connection to school, the institution, yeah. like Westcliff, the school, Yeah. because all of the kind of memories I have of the place are less about the place itself and more about the people. Yeah. And I think had I been like head boy or on any of the school teams for anything at all <laughs> <laughs> other than chess, then I might have had some more institutional loyalty right, and therefore yeah. feel more of a sense of, oh, yeah, this was this was my ends. Yeah. Whereas I think with the, with the university and college experience, it was like, I literally lived there 24 seven for for three years. And therefore right. the experience was more intense. And so coming back to it, that memory was, was more intense.
1: I don't know. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. I don't think I have much institutional loyalty to our secondary school either. I, I imagine like walking around the corridors would be kind of an, an interesting experience. I'm sure I'd feel something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I thought the the other thing as we were kind of visiting our old houses, was I was trying to think back to like, you know, what, 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 what was my day-to-day life like back then? You know, like mm-hmm. what, did, what did life consist of? And one thing that I distinctly remember is that when, as a kid, I used to lie down on the floor a lot more. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you think about, I think about the last time you, you laid down on the floor. Mm. I, can't, I can't remember the last time I, I, I laid down on the floor and did something. But actually as a kid, that was almost the default, uh, the default position Doing any doing, you know, for any kind of activity, if you could do it lying down on the floor, you would do it lying down on the floor. Whether it's playing Game Boy, reading a book, you know, reorganizing my Pokemon cards. You um, reorganize you know, your Pokemon cards by lying down on the floor, and then laying them out on the floor, and you're kind of reorganizing. You know, oh, you, you mean like like face down broadly. Yeah, like you're... Inter- you're, yeah, in- you're- I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm imagining yeah, yeah. lying on the floor face up and thinking, how are you organizing Pokemon in that, <laughs> in that configuration? Yeah, it's like, it's like a, que- a Queen's Gambit but for Pokemon. Yeah. You jump at the ceiling. Uh, <laughs> the- yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. No, no, no. Like fa- face down on the floor mm. in, in sort of... Um, I guess there's this yoga pose called the uh, the Cobra or something where you kind of lie down and then like your, your head yeah. is kind of up or your you're kind of leaning up, on your elbow yeah. kind of thing. Like you're basically like lying on the floor and, like, hmm. do, doing your thing. And I just remember that that was, like, I spent a lot of time in that position as a kid. And for some reason, when you grow up, you just don't do stuff on the floor as much. You don't yeah. sit on the You're floor much. To you don't a chair on and, the floor. A, and a desk and things. Yeah. And I, it's yeah, not like we weren't chairs and desks when we were kids. It's not like bed yeah. near, we didn't have beds and stuff. Like, <laughs> we have furniture have in the house, bed. yeah. Sorry? <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we didn't have furniture in the house. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so that's one thing I distinctly remember of, like, yeah, just like a lot of lying down on the floor. I haven't done mm. that for a while. Yeah, I'm just trying to think when... Because I, I feel like
0: at, at university, I did do a fair bit of lying on the floor because oh, with like my laptop the- open and like a book on the side or, or something like that. And that was, that was good times. Often if I, if I wanted a change of scenery from my desk, I would then lie on the floor with book and laptop in hand.
1: Okay, interesting, yeah.
0: But these days I just don't. I think partly because with, with, all, with all the kind of camera gear and crap around the living room, there's actually physically so little space to just lie on the floor. Yeah. Uh and so that's a bit of a problem. I think even if I did have the space, I probably wouldn't default to that position, but mm. maybe something something to try out.
1: Yeah, I, I I think my general point is that like when I was a kid, I feel like I felt I, I think I felt a lot more like physically free. And I guess it's easier to be because you are literally like smaller. Like there's just less of you. And physically so Physically free. What do you mean by that? Yeah, just like uh I, I think I, I just kind of mean that, you know, I, I think as an adult when you're kind of going about your day-to-day life you look for you look for places where your body can fit like a chair or a bed or like mm. somewhere where an adult person is supposed to put their body you know you don't try <laughs> like you don't where whereas i think when you're a kid like just the the whole the whole world is kind of that like you you, you often see like little kids just like sitting on the footpath just mm. like chilling you know stuff like this and like I don't know. I think, I think when you're when you're a kid, you don't really think in terms of like where where am I supposed to sit, stand, lie down, or whatever. Yeah. It's, you're just vibing. You're just like, hell yeah, I'll I'll, I'll sit down on the on the tarmac. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah, I'll lie down on the floor. <laughs> so I often I often feel this. I, I I feel
0: I feel this acutely when I am in in St Pancras station waiting for the train to St Albans, and there are no seats. And I think right, I could stand up for the next twenty minutes. Yeah, or I could just sit on the floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. and. I look around sheepishly and think, you know what? I should have sit on the floor. Yeah, yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then I sit on the floor. I take my bag out. I get get my phone or iPad out, and then I just read or something for twenty minutes. Yeah, and I always feel semi self conscious about this because no one else is really sitting on the floor, and there's this whole like, oh, the floor is really dirty, and right. <laughs> the floor is lava or whatever whatever the kids say these days. Right. Um, but then I always think, like, why why aren't more people just sitting on the floor? Like, it's not that bad. Like, my bum is going to be on the train seats, which are probably dirtier than the floor is at this point. Yeah. Um, what is wrong with just sitting on the floor? <laughs> and I I had this moment when we were in Bath as well. We were in the Roman baths. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Roman baths are all interesting. But once you've seen one Roman relic, you've kind of seen all of them. Right. And so I was keen to just sort of sit down on the stone and just read my book. Yeah. So I just sat down <laughs> as our mum was browsing the things and kind of go a few minutes further ahead, listen, you know, do some token listening to the audio guide to, to get my, to get our money's worth and then just sit down and read. And it was, it was, it was so liberating that like, I can just sit wherever I want to just read a, read a book. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it, yeah,
1: I, I haven't really had that like acute, acute feeling like yeah, yeah. being a kid. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same way about the train thing. Back when I had like a, a real job and a daily commute, yeah, the train would be kind of packed in the mornings um, and everyone will be standing up unless you have, unless you're seated on a seat and you know, some, most people were wearing suits, a bunch of people weren't wearing suits. So it's, it's not like, it's not like clothing didn't really allow it, but you just mm-hmm. wouldn't see people sitting cross-legged on the floor. And so I, I'd often just do that. And yeah, you know, like you said, I, initially I felt a bit weird about it, but then I was like, nah, I think like, there's no reason not to do this. I think people are missing out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, so you just sit on the floor while people are standing around you. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sitting down. Everyone else, just like people are standing around me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, So you're literally cross-legged on the floor while people are yeah, standing yeah, around yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Didn't people look at you weird? Uh, I don't think. I don't know. I don't, they were probably thinking, man, this guy, this guy has a right idea. But if I do it now, this, it's really yeah. like, I'm copying him.
0: <laughs> and this guy's so confident. I wish I could be like that. To just sit on the floor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think. Um, it's hard, it's hard to like really put yourself back in back in your, your shoes from when you were a kid. But I think, yeah, I, th- I think stuff like this of like just generally how, you know, or what the options seem to be, yeah, I think are, are very different. And I think, you know, when you're an adult, the options are stand in the standing area, sit in the sitting area or lie down in the lying area. <laughs> you know, like I feel like, I, I, yeah, you know, yeah. and I think it, it, it extends outside of that, you know, as a wider metaphor of adult life where it's like, Designated areas for designated things, and hmm. as a proper adult, you go about your life doing the designated things in the designated areas. Whereas, I think when you're a kid, like you know, there's just fewer designated things and areas that you're concerned about. Yeah, one thing I
0: I, I think that's a big a big difference between kid and adult is I, I I wonder if this is true for you. Like as as a kid, I had no qualms about running. As an adult, whenever I run, I feel a bit self conscious that oh, I'm running. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and so if I'm running for the train, like half of my concern is, am I going to make the train on time? The other half of my concern is, am I looking sufficiently suave and smooth and adult like running for this train? Right. Right. Yeah. Or is my backpack like <laughs> sprawling everyone here and just <laughs> looking like an absolute shambles? Yeah. Um, and there's often moments where if it's like, if I, if, if, you know, on, on those rare occasions where I go down to the shops, uh, to get a coffee or a pasty or something, I sometimes think, why don't I just run? Yeah. Um, but I like as like especially if i'm like wearing jeans and stuff i sort of feel i'm not allowed to run in jeans i have right. to have my like my like, my running clothing on mm. in order to sort of feel socially acceptable to yeah. to yeah. run um i haven't yet gone i haven't yet done the running thing while wearing jeans and boots just for the bounce but right. it's i will well, one day i will have the
1: confidence to <laughs> run to the corner shop <laughs> and...
0: wow
1: inshallah yeah i think the running thing's really funny i think i ha- i had a similar running epiphany when I, after I went on my first run in 2018, uh, so like I, I, I ran this kind of 5K basically. And that was the first time I had ever run any distance. And then I was like, whoa, I can actually run for like minutes on end and I won't die. <laughs> and then I was like, whoa, why am I walking anywhere? Like if you could, if you can run for like, you know, two to five minutes without, mm-hmm. without getting like super tired. I know yeah, most people can, um, then you can literally just get to places, you know, three to five times faster or something. And so there, there was a, there was a long while where I would just like run and you know, sort of jog instead of walking to, to most things, but I haven't done too much of that. I guess I'm not really in a hurry anymore. Yeah. I
0: guess, you, uh, do you not feel somewhat, somewhat self-conscious of running in an area while other people are walking?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like, yeah, then you just kind of ignore that, right?
0: Yeah. The time saving is, <laughs> is worth the, yeah. uh, the, uh, the, uh, being a social
1: outcast and prior yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice. Um, I think, um, as if I think back to like primary school, you know, like year three, four or five. Yeah. I think I've said this before on the podcast. I think back then I just did a lot more vibing and a lot less thinking. A lot more vibing. Yeah. I see. What,
0: what, what, what do you mean by that? Then more like you'll, you'll do whatever you feel like and not what you think you should be doing in a moment.
1: No, I think I just mean like less thinking and less analyzing of things.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Do you think you only think that because you now a you've got the recency effect of the fact that you overanalyze everything, um, and b you're just more capable of analyzing things than you were back then? I feel like I was pretty analytical. I had some pretty like l- you know some pretty elaborate thought processes oh, behind yeah. you know like why this girl would like me or wouldn't like me, and I I feel like I was a a, a thinking human, a um. oh, thinking man, upright <laughs> yeah. man, if you will. Yeah. <laughs>
1: A philosopher, I might say. <laughs> um, huh. What were the thought processes about why the girl would like you? Hey, oh, they? there was this whole like
0: there was this game they used to play. Like so, <laughs> there were the, there were these three girls in my class in primary school um, who, who enjoyed playing a game called Kiss Chase. Okay, I don't know okay. if you're if you're familiar with uh, with the game of Kiss Chase. Um, what is the game? Maybe I am. Uh, the game is you chase uh, boys around, and when you catch them, you kiss them. <laughs>
1: oh okay
0: yes Uh, so this was a thing and one of the girls who I had like this huge crush on was was one of one of this trio who would play kiss chase on the regular and I would invent all these elaborate scenarios about like okay right Um, because I was I was pretty fast at running and so like when I was involved in kiss chase I was like oh I don't want to get caught and I was thinking oh but I really want her to catch me (laughs) so inventing all these like Amazing. elaborate structures about how yeah. i was gonna like you know fake trip and like you know have my laces <laughs> undone and fake trip on my laces so that you know but but, yeah. but, but crucially only when this this yeah. one girl was like in my vicinity and not yeah. the other two
1: oh no don't,
0: don't catch <laughs> you <know>. me yeah <laughs>
1: please don't catch me and kiss me
0: <laughs> Me, i was a real i was a real philosopher back in the day
1: <laughs> oh my goodness yeah that was that was me okay. age eight Okay. No, no. Like, I think that's the level of analysis that I, you know, I certainly dabbled in as well. I, I don't know if I... <laughs> <know>. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was your uh, analysis in this department? I'm trying to think. Um, there was the whole, like, uh, piano lesson yeah, situation, I took, right? Yeah, yeah. T- I took piano lessons because um, the the girl I fancied also took piano, you know, was also planning to take piano lessons. Um, so there, there was a lot of analysis there, obviously. Mm. Um, <laughs> how did how did that end up going for you? Oh, I mean, nothing happened. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, oh, drat! <laughs> you know, maybe our, maybe our hands touched on the piano <laughs> at some point. Yeah. It was it was all worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do I do feel like there was something there. If I'm honest with you, yeah, I felt like there was something there. It's just you know when you're eight or nine, it's unclear what you're supposed to do quite <laughs> so you've taken up the piano recently as well is there an uh, any anyone else in the picture <laughs> <laughs> no i haven't i haven't touched anyone else's hands on the piano for, for okay. decades <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's been a while <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah well, okay what was the level of analysis i might have done as an eight-year-old did, did you ever fantasize about running away from home gosh i think that didn't that didn't come until t- 11 12 <laughs> oh i see okay well i think yeah i thought like primary school was hunky dory like what was the, what was guy got with you mate <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i like anytime i feel like oh because because i was the older child i feel like i was um rulings were often uh in your favor rather than in really mine. are you serious mine. yeah what, genuinely. what rulings when we were oh eights, any any anytime, anytime there was any grounding to be had i felt yeah. i was getting the short end of the straw short end of the stick whatever the phrase is and you were you you're a little whiny bitch and so you would complain at the slightest provocation um and then because i was like the older sibling i would get told off for it and grounded and stuff and i felt this was deeply unfair um and i felt like i had my autonomy taken away from me uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so occasionally i'd be like you know what fine but you know if i if i wanted to i could i could run away from home <laughs> um and there was this uh, there was, oh my god in, a, in our address on Queens Road, we, we drove past this park where we used to kind of frequent a, 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 on occasion to fake play tennis or something like that. And there was like a series of bushes and trees in the entrance to this park. and I had I had I had that pegged as my hideout. I was like, right. When I run away from home,' yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hide amongst these trees and i can get like so i I think i i think i think i was probably reading like alex rider books at the time and so i was thinking you know if i needed to eat i could kill a squirrel (laughs) Uh, and i was thinking oh all i need is a laptop and then i can find like wi-fi from somewhere nearby and then i at at least i'll have a computer yeah and at the time i I think i i I wasn't i didn't really know what i could do with a computer The, the, the most i ever did was I, I discovered like the built-in dictation feature on Windows oh, no, uh, Microsoft with Sam. Microsoft Sam exactly, <laughs> and then I spent like dozens of hours like configuring this. Uh, it didn't need dozens of hours of config- <laughs> configuration, <it. laughs> but I I thought I was like the coolest computer hacker ever. I discovered this secret, this like yeah. you know, backdoor Microsoft Sam, yeah, and I could talk yeah. to Microsoft Sam and it would like write things down on Notepad. yeah. yeah. Um, and so I fancy myself as a bit of a. Uh, computer hacker in addition to a philosopher <laughs> um so that was my plan for running away from home maybe. i'm surprised you didn't harbor those fantasies i i didn't harbor I those everything fantasies. everything was ruled in your favor anyway so uh this life was pretty hunky-dory back then
1: i think we, we used to grass each other up a lot i think that was hmm. pre pre packed. i think the the no grassing pact came when we were like 14 or something yeah something like that and so yeah I, I imagine there was a lot of grassing and yeah maybe you got grounded or something
0: yeah like but i would like, be i would be a bit of a rebel and then
1: you would just tell on me right yeah i don't remember go- i didn't go on the computer i don't think did we go on the computer that much back then yeah we, we had this dial-up internet connection and like what would you do i i, I don't think i even knew that like online games existed I- like mini i hadn't I discovered online yeah. whatever I-, I remember we played pinball
0: yeah it was a lot of pinball i think a lot of Minesweeper. once i discovered how to play that um i would go on aol because we had aol the web browser and just like click around um you know as as one does yeah
1: yeah, I, I wonder, wonder what I used to use a computer for. I trying to even think like, what did I do after school? And I, I think I've kind of touched on this in previous podcast episodes where I think I didn't really have, I didn't really have my own kind of, my own life at home. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if I, if I think about my life now, like sitting at home on the computer is a large part of it. And as a teenager, that has always been like a big part of it. But before, before I had like, before I started using the internet, I can't remember what, what I used to get up to. I mean, you get back from, from school at like 4 p.m. There's a good few hours in the evening. We're like, what the hell do you do? I guess at some point we, we got a PS2 and there was maybe a mm-hmm. bit of that. And I guess there's a TV and you know, maybe there's a bit of that. But like, I think there was an awful lot of like, I have no idea what I did. Probably literally, probably just like rearranging my Pokemon cards, um, Lego, little bit. And I think because because of because of this lack of an inner life at home, I think it kind of heightened the experience of like hanging out with friends at friends' houses and stuff. Hmm. Hey, I, said this, I said this before on the podcast, but I think back then in primary school when it was, you know, go, going to a friend's house would be like the best thing ever. Every single time it would absolutely bang without exception. And then when it came to going home, <laughs> that would be <laughs> absolutely devastating without exception.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. When it, when yeah. it came to going home, it would be like genuinely really devastating. Like it would be awful. And it's not, yeah, you know, no beef to like the home, the home life. It was, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was fine. It was, it was fine. <laughs> yeah. you know. But I didn't really have, yeah, an individual life, I guess. Mm. Um, I, yeah, it felt, it felt like um, when I wasn't doing things with other people, it, it was almost like, I'd, I, you know, you press pause on, on your existence. Whereas I think once you have the internet and the computer, yeah. then you can have an existence outside of other people i guess you read a lot of books yeah that's what i used to do back in the day I, I'm, I'm i'm like yeah basically after school i would
0: just read uh and then we got like a, a subscription to the local library and so i got through all of the rl stein books i got through all of the enid Blyton books go through harry potter repeatedly again and yeah. again and again um then Ale- all the alex rider books the Cherub books as they came out and yeah just books <laughs> books were my true friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah so i think broadly that was what i was doing after school okay yeah yeah I reading I, I, trashy fiction
1: i just didn't read i think i've pro- yeah. read a little bit but like at, at yeah. one
0: point you got the book captain underpants out of the library i remember this and it was
1: like this was like the first book that you'd read i remember this yeah something it was basically a comic book really yeah and here's here's the thing i remember i distinctly remember i didn't even like the book that much i just mm. felt like oh i need to like like books or something oh yeah i love camp China. you Captain Underpants. Yeah, I didn't like it. Right. I didn't it didn't resonate. I see. I re- I remember I feel like your identity was
0: a lot less bookish than mine was. Yeah, for sure. Um where you were more of like a tomboy running around kind of vibes and I was more like, you know, read a read a romance book kind of vibes. You and then when, when you started Uh yeah, I I, I I discovered this like secret uh, this uh, series called Sugar Secrets when I was in the library and it was what so
1: I've never, I've never heard of this. Was this like a a guilty thing you did in the corner of the library that you didn't bring back home?
0: What was I this? did bring it back home. Yeah, of did course, you, I brought it back Sugar home. Sugar
1: Secrets. Yeah. I have no. Yeah, it was a great
0: series. It was like, oh, it was this whole like series of books about like life in like a high school where like were, like relationship drama and all this sort of stuff. And this was like like my literally my very first experience of this sort of stuff. Okay. When I was like eight, when I find this book, Sugar Secrets and Revenge, in the library. Um, I mean I wasn't I wasn't a huge uh, connoisseur of, of the romance genre. I think had I had I been more confident in taking the books out in the library and <laughs> like <laughs> saying to the librarian, "Can I can I have this one please?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been a bit more confident about that. I pro- I probably would have been. Right. Um but yeah, I feel like your identity was more of, "Hey, I'm too cool for books." kind of vibes. Mate, and so when you got Captain what? Underpants, it it was like, "Oh, it's a book, but it's like it. Takes the box of like oh okay no. it's a sort of tomboy kind of book
1: that's absolutely absurd i had no such like baggage associated okay. with being into books or not being into books i just wasn't okay. i just intrinsically was not into reading or books and i felt i felt some pressure of like uh like we have these book days and stuff like this and mm-hmm. everyone like has to buy a book or something like it was it was it wasn't like a too cool for books thing at all okay. no, that wasn't the level of analysis that i was oh, capable of at the time fair play yeah yeah uh, i remember you also started reading mr monday that series yeah we were introduced to that by via like i think we read it in year four or something as a class or something like that and again yeah. like I, I i feel like i was performing being in yes this.
0: i feel like you were you would talk about how oh this is a really good book and i would try and read it and think like it's actually not that good and also, <laughs> yeah 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 do you even know what's going on here like like well, what's actually going on like, yeah, I never. I, I didn't have a clue <laughs> didn't have a clue mate <laughs> but you were focused. performatively reading and then and then the next one like oh grim tuesday oh yeah i've got i've got to get that new book and yeah. I was a bit like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, what are you, what are you seeing that I'm not from these books? I, I literally have no idea what's what. What are he seeing? Yeah, <laughs> the denizens
1: and stuff like that, and like the keys to the kingdom. And uh, I still, to this day, yeah, I mate, have no idea what these books were actually about. I, and I, I read all of them. I didn't have a clue yeah. at the time either. And I remember, I remember performatively being into it <laughs> because, like, <laughs> I didn't have any like books or uh, book aspect of my life or something. I, I, I don't know, I don't know why I felt why, why I felt this pressure, but. I felt like everyone like reads books or something and yeah. I need to be into a book. Mm. Yeah, that was weird. I've actually never reflected on that since. Um, that is weird. I'm, actually, I'm, I'm cringing on behalf of my seven-year-old self. Excellent. Format- I'm glad. <laughs> Performatively reading Mr. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely no idea what it's about. <laughs> oh, I didn't have a clue, honestly, man. <laughs> yeah. Man. Okay, listen, I actually have to go. Um, it's dinner time. This has been Great. fun. Yes. Um, um, you wanna read a review and we'll, we'll we'll wrap things up. Yeah. Um actually let me let me just do an insight of the week. Um oh, before yeah. we do that. Um I think uh have you ever had a conversation, you know, you're ever chatting to a friend and they're like, Oh man, I had like the weirdest dream last night and they'll tell you about their dream or whatever. Does that mm. happen? That happens from time yeah. to time, right? Yeah. yeah. From time. To and time. I think um yeah, the my the thing I've I've been thinking around that recently is that i really like those conversations there's something very liberating about those conversations because there's no need for your brain to try and understand or make sense of any of it i think mm. i think like discussing a some a friend's dream with them is like it's almost the purest form of vibing you can have because like you just don't like not you know the 90 of your brain they're just like trying to understand stuff and make sense of things it's switched off because it doesn't matter it's it's a dream and so you're just kind of vibing like straight vibing about this dream like you're not trying to make you know there's no analysis you know and so like i really enjoy those conversations i feel like they're very they're very pure like it's it's very infinite game-esque where there's there's no purpose to it There's there's you know there's no end goal it's it's purely for its own sake it's about the journey, not the destination. Mm. Like it is just like raw vibes. Um, anyway, I had one of those this morning. I was like, damn, this is, this is good shit. Excellent. Excellent. I wonder if you feel a similar way about talking about the weather. I think I've said this on the podcast before. I really mm. enjoy small talk. Yeah, for mm. that reason. Um, anyway, um, let me read a review and then we'll call it quits. Uh, I think maybe we read this one out last time. It's from the 17th of June. Yeah, I think we were out our last time. We actually haven't had a review since. It was a four-star a review reviews. titled Inconsistent. Yeah, I think I think we should genuinely be more consistent with the podcast because, like, yes, we could just, like, be inconsistent about it. But I think it's – I think you kind of – you lose the mojo and you, you lose yeah. the momentum and stuff. Like, if we do this every three weeks or something, every time mm-hmm. we come back to it, it's like, oh, yeah, what's this whole podcast thing again? What, do we do? what are we doing here kind of thing? Whereas if it's actually a weekly thing, like – I feel like I'm more I'm more excited for it when it's something we're regularly doing rather than, oh, shit, we haven't done a podcast for a few weeks. Yeah, should we do a podcast? You know?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, we've got it as a recurring calendar event now, so that's good.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, apologies for the inconsistencies, everyone. We will uh, – we're back on track. Anyway. Back on track. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Right. Good search, See to everyone. Time. Catch you later. Bye-bye.
0: or DM us at NOverthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you
1: next time.